I was praying this tonight. Um, I taught on prayer. And I really got into prayer this afternoon. I, I got deep into prayer. And I, uh, I was just talking to, to God, and I feel like I got into that, uh, that seeking place. And even for a short time, I felt like I got into the knocking area that I was talking about this morning. And I, um, as I was, I was praying, I, I finally I was on my face, and I got up, and, and God spoke to me, and He said, I want you there. Were, I, I just looked over at my bookshelf, and there was a book there, and He said, I want you to pick it up. I want you to open it up. And uh, it's a book I haven't read on. I've read the book twice, but I haven't read it in years. It's called The Spirit of Apollo. And um, it's not a religious book. It is a uh, kind of a leadership type book. And, and the basis of the book is when the Apollo moon missions, uh, the attitude and the spirit of the people who made all that happen. And I got to, uh, I had a, a bookmark in the book, and I just opened it to that bookmark. And oddly enough, it was talking about, now this again is not a religious book, but it's talking about dealing with fear. And interestingly, it talked about things that instill fear, which I'm going to use some of that in our, my annual Halloween bash. But, uh, and I didn't even know, I, I didn't remember that it was there. It was towards the very end of the book. And uh, it talked about what to do, what to do if you have fear. And it just used some basic things if, you know, instead of uh, what you do with children to keep fear out of them. But it, one thing that really stuck out to me was it said, if you've got fear in your mind, that and it went back and it never quoted the Scripture, but it certainly went all around the Scripture. And that is in Philippians, whatever's good, whatever's pleasant, if there be any virtue in it, think on these things. It said the only way to displace something is to put something else in there. So when you're dealing with this fear, he said, put in good thoughts. Don't put in negative thoughts, but put in good thoughts. He said, get rid of the, of the whatever it's causing it was something good. Think on the good things. And, and it was just a, a very basic thing, but it was odd that it was in this particular book. And I, I said, as I, I picked it up and began to, to go through that end part of it, uh, I, I looked at that and, and I, I realized that no matter what, it is. It's not just a matter of fear, but it's whatever that is inside of you. Fear, grief, sorrow, whatever it may be, you have to displace that with something on the positive side of everything. And that's the way it works with us. We continue to look at the good side of what God can do. You continue to, to seek after what the positive part of serving God. There's enough negative in this life to do us all from now on. But if we would begin to focus on that which is good, that which is pleasant, and begin to place it in our minds and get rid of all that. There's a lot out there to cause us to be depressed right now. But we've got a big God that's going to do everything for us. Don't you believe that? I believe that with all of my heart. All of my heart. Long ago, I love starting a message like this, in a small village in Japan, there was this place called the House of a Thousand Mirrors. A small, happy little dog learned of this place, and he decided to visit the House of a Thousand Mirrors. When the dog arrived, he bounced happily up the stairs in the doorway 
And he looked through the door, had his ears lifted high, his tail wagging as fast as it could. And to his great surprise, he found himself staring at 1,000 other happy little dogs with their tails wagging just as fast as his. So our little dog smiled a great smile, and 1,000 little dogs smiled right back at him. As he left the house, he thought to himself, this is a wonderful place. I'm going to come back and visit it often. You like my little dog tail? In this same village, there was another little dog that wasn't quite so happy as the first one. So he decided to visit the house of the thousand mirrors, and he slowly climbed the stairs with his head hung low. He looked into the door, and he saw a thousand unfriendly dogs staring back at him. He growled at that pack of dogs, and you know what the pack of dogs did? They growled right back at him. As he left, he thought to himself, this is a horrible place. I'll never come back here. Of course, it wasn't the house filled with 1,000 dogs, either happy or sad. It was simply a house filled with 1,000 mirrors. The law of mirrors is simply this. A mirror only reflects that which is set before it. That is the law of mirrors. You need to put that on your mirror. The law of mirrors. It reflects only that which is set before it. So if you think your husband's ugly, don't put him before the mirror. <laughs> I can think of another, another house of many, many mirrors, and that's what I'm going to preach about tonight. Solomon built such a house for God. It was a house within a house, and within the innermost house. Everything was overlaid with shining, sparkling gold. There was floors. God inspired me this morning to preach this, and I was teaching on prayer. Hey, sparkling gold, floors, walls, ceilings, and everything covered with pure, shimmering gold. Solomon had built, literally, a house of mirrors. 1 Kings six nineteen through 22 will be coming up behind me. And the oracle he prepared in the house within to set there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And the oracle in the forepart was 20 cubits in length and 20 cubits in breadth and 20 cubits in the height thereof. And he overlaid it with pure gold and so covered the altar which was of cedar. So Solomon overlaid the house within with pure gold and he made a partition by the chains of gold before the oracle and he overlaid it with gold. And the whole house he overlaid with gold until he had finished all the house. Also the whole altar that was by the oracle he overlaid with gold. The primary piece of furniture within the oracle was the Ark of the Covenant. Angelic wings of pure beaten gold reached across the blood-spattered mercy seat. Mirrors only reflect what is set before them. What did these walls and what did these ceilings and floors of gold reflect? Listen to me. They all reflected the mercy seat of God. They reflected mercy. God has, will always reflect mercy. He shows His mercy everywhere He goes. Everywhere one looked in this house, He saw mercy. Mercy to the east. Mercy to the west. Mercy to the south. Mercy to the highest. Mercy to the lowest. It didn't matter. <coughs> 
I want you to hear the words of Jude. Jude 1 and 2. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Let's look at that again. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. I'm going to preach tonight on the house of multiplied mercies. Let's raise our hands to the Lord together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your blessings, your goodness, your mercy. And I pray, God, that mercy would overshadow us here tonight. God, let us be brought into right relationship above all else with you. Touch us. Move upon us. Strengthen us, God. Allow your strength and mercy to flow into us like never before. I look to you now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The adjective used more of God than any other scripture is holy. God is holy. Holy, holy is the threefold chant of the seraphim that fly about the throne of God, according to Isaiah 6 and 3. God has a character. His character is holy. God reflects that character upon us. Be ye holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1. We worship God in the beauty of holiness in 1 Chronicles 16. We lift up holy hands. We lift up holy hearts. We lift up holy hosannas. Holy worship for a holy God. God reflects His holiness upon how we serve Him. That is what He does. Another adjective used quite often to describe God deals with His mercy. God is merciful. The Apostle Paul called God the Father of mercy, 2 Corinthians 1. The psalmist and the Apostle John combined to picture His presence as one that flows with mercy, Psalm 36, Revelation 21. And allow me, if you would, just for just a moment, allow me to paraphrase and to piece together a glorious mosaic of God's mercy. And I want you to forgive me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the first person, so just follow me a minute. It is I who cause goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life in Psalm 23. All my ways towards you shall be mercy and truth, Psalm 25. To your old age I am He who will see you through. I have made you, I will bear you, I will carry you, and I will deliver you. In Isaiah 46 and 4, hear me. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will do it, that I will not turn away from you to do you good. I swear unto you that I will show you my kindness, the kindness of God in 1 Samuel 20. Hear me. I will not forget to show you my mercies. I can as soon forget to be God as forget to be gracious. That's what the psalmist said in 87. While my name is Jehovah, merciful gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. I will never forget to show you mercy. The earth shall quake and the hills shall be rent asunder, but my mercy shall not depart from you, neither shall my covenant of peace be removed. Is there any doubt? We serve a merciful God. Forty-one times in the Old Testament we are told to praise God for the simple reason of His enduring mercy. Twenty-six times in Psalm 136 the psalmist urges us to praise God for His abiding mercy, for His mercy endureth forever. Twenty-six times we're reminded to praise God for His goodness. Twenty-six times we're reminded that God is merciful because He is good. 
26 times we're reminded that God is a giver. 26 times we're reminded that He creates, He delivers, and He sustains. 26 times we're reminded that any goodness God shows is His mercy, not any merit on man's part. 26 times. Once for each letter in the English alphabet. We are reminded that God is good from Alpha to Omega, from A to Z. Oh, we serve a great big merciful God. Would somebody like to worship that great big merciful God? Would somebody like to praise His name, glorify Him? You're here tonight because of His mercy. You're here tonight because of His goodness. You're here tonight. God, when I begin to think of His mercy, there's something exciting about that. No matter what, we begin to think of mercy. When I think of His mercy, how could I keep but not showing mercy to other people? Huh? When I think of what He showed to me, how can I not show it to you? When you think of what He showed to me, how can you not show it to someone else? God seems singularly discontent with leaving mercy in the singular. He likes to get mercy in the plural. It's not just mercy, it is mercies. He is the father of mercies. He is rich in mercy, Ephesians 4.24. An infinite God with infinite goodness chooses to multiply His mercy. It's this, I mean, you can imagine how big God is. You imagine this one big dollop of God's mercy should cover everything. But he says, I got mercies. He's got multiple dollops of mercy that he likes to pour out upon all these people. There's this church going on right now in, in McCormick's Creek in Spencer in Owen County right now. And God says, I got a great big ice cream dipper full. I'm going to dump it out on you right now. I'm going to let you know just how merciful and good I am. I'm going to let you know just how much mercy I've got. I've got mercy that goes beyond mercy. I've got mercy that goes beyond anything you could ever imagine. God's mercies are called many, and He multiplies them to those in need. Nehemiah 9.17 tells us that. His mercies are called great, and He magnifies them to cover the need. 1 Chronicles 21. His mercies are called sure, and He expands these to secure those in need. Isaiah 55. His mercies are called tender, and with tender mercies He strengthened those who are weak. In Psalm 119. Have you ever been weak? Have you ever felt like you just didn't have anything left? But all of a sudden, something came out of heaven. You're right here in this asking place, remember? And you felt weak, and all you could do is just barely get out your petitions. You could just barely get out your supplication. And all of a sudden, something opened up in heaven. And that big, wonderful ice cream dipper full of mercy. Come on now. 
And it took you all the way from here, right here to this seeking place. And you begin to cry out to God. You say, God, I can do it. I can make it as long as you're with me. As long as I can feel your mercy flowing on me. As long as I can feel your touch, your blessing. I can make it. You know why? Because His mercies are unfailing. They're unfailing. The fig tree, the vine, the flock, they may fail. But the Lord's mercies are unfailing. Habakkuk 3.17 God has many great, sure, tender, and unfailing mercies at His disposal because God is so rich. He is so rich in mercy. You know, I've often heard of the great contrast between law and mercy, yet I'm reminded that beneath the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant rested the law. It appears to me that we can't even know mercy until we know the law. Until we know God's exacting sense of justice and His unswerving holiness, then we're unable to grasp the depths and the heights of His mercy. When you realize, do you understand what I'm trying to say here? When you know the nature of God, His holiness, and how He cannot stand sin, and how sin is an abomination to Him, yet... Yet, mercy is extended to mankind, even in the, in the space of a mankind spinning in the very face of God. Even though we're disobedient, unruly, mercy is still there. Do you understand the depths of His mercy? Before we can fathom the great price paid for our sins, and we must through the law know how great a sinner we really are. Do you know what God did for you on Calvary? Do you know it's not just something we come together and dress nice on Easter? Do you know what He did on Calvary? In the face of the unfathomable mess of sin, the abomination, the stench in the very nostrils of God, God Himself, became a man and came down and died on a cross, allowed us to spit upon Him, buffet Him, and to crucify Him. That is the extent. If you can understand that, then you can live for God. Are you hearing me? Because of that kind of mercy, I'm standing here right now. Because of that kind of mercy, you're sitting there right now. Because of that kind of mercy. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. What a price. What a price He paid. When I look into the heart of the law, the Ten Commandments, I see mercy. Just after the first two commandments, to put God first and to love your neighbor as, as, you, as, the, as the first one, the second one is as of the first and love your neighbor as yourself. You find that God who shows mercy unto thousands, Exodus 26 later in the second giving of the law, God introduced himself to Moses as the one who is merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. In Exodus 34, mercy for thousands of people, mercy for thousands of generations, mercy for thousands of needs, mercy for thousands of transgression, mercy, multiplied mercy. 
God is merciful, yes. God multiplies His mercies, yes. But as a river cries for a sea and sunlight cries for soil, mercy needs an object. Multiplied mercies must have an object. And do you know what's so wonderful about this? That object is you. All these mercies He has. But if it wasn't for you, there wouldn't even be mercy. You're the object of all these multiplied mercies. Some of the old timers used to pray for traveling mercies before a trip. They prayed for sustaining mercies during hard times. They prayed for harvest mercies. They prayed for maritime mercies. They knew that God wanted to share mercy with them, so they just named it. Just named it. Well, I, I got a crop coming in. God, give me some of that. Give me a big dollar for that harvest time mercy. I'm getting ready to go on a trip. That old Model A Ford, it may start and it may not. Give me one of them traveling mercies. I'm going out to catch me a big fish on my canoe. Give me a non-sinking maritime mercy. Are you hearing me? They did this. They prayed over everything because they had nothing else to depend on. Didn't have a government to pay them not to raise crops. Come on now. Didn't have insurance. Didn't have all those things. They just depended on God. And you realize how many mercies was poured out of heaven on people who had that kind of faith? Do you realize it can still happen today? We're living in a time right now of, of depression. We're not in recession. We're in depression. They can say what they want to, but it's not working. But I know one who does work. I want one who when you begin, God, I need some mercy for a job. I need some mercy, God, to pay my bills. I need some mercy. Times of great need, nothing speak to him, speaks to a man's heart like the Psalms. Psalm 130, out of the depths of I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who should stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait in his word, do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. For great sin, there is plenteous redemption. For multiplied misery, there is multiplied mercy in God's house. There is mercy here tonight. There's mercy here like you can never comprehend. You can never contemplate the amount that God would like to do here tonight in pouring out mercy upon each and every one of you. The mercies of God. They fuel our worship to Him. Each sin God forgives should cause a fresh fountain of awe. Do you know that? Do you, do you ever just really mess up big time and you got down and you began to confess and you began to pray and you began to repent and you felt, you felt forgiveness. That should show you something. What has just happened? God has poured out forgiveness through mercy. Through mercy. 
He has poured it out upon you. And you need to stand up and say, I can't believe this. I can't believe that God has done it again. I can't believe that God has shown me that mercy one more time. It should generate it all in you. You shouldn't care who sees you run the aisles. You shouldn't care who sees you walk back and forth. You shouldn't care because God has just poured out mercy one more time on you. found this, this old Puritan hymn that seems to me as fresh as any of the contemporary worship courses that we ever sing. It's called, Now from the Altar of My Heart. Now from the altar of my heart let incense flame arise. Assist me, Lord, to offer up mine evening sacrifice. Minutes and mercies multiplied have made up all this day. Minutes came quick, but mercies were more fleet and free than they. Next time, new favor, new joys, to do a new song require, till I shall praise thee as I would accept my heart's desire. Multiplied minutes and mercies make up each day. The minutes come quickly, but the mercies come quicker. They come a lot faster. Yes, I will praise Him. I will praise Him for His mercies. Lamentations 3.22 It is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. Oh, they are multiplied to us today. I want the music to come. Only once a year in Solomon's temple was it permitted. A special someone could step within the veil and they could see the mercy seat. From the medium of golden mirrors covering the walls, ceilings, and the floors, they saw that mercy multiplied. The blood of the Lamb was reflected everywhere inside that edifice. Today, tonight, in this house, we have came to magnify and multiply His mercy. Look not upon us. We're only mirrors of His mercy. If you're here tonight and you need something more from God, you know you're not where you really need to be. In fact, the reason you're here tonight is because that you've already, you're already very aware of that. God's been dealing with you. You felt an empty place in your heart. And you would like to fill that place. And you look about you this evening and you hear me preach about mercy and you see people around you that is partook of that mercy. But we're not, we're not the ones that really give it. We're just the mirrors of it. We're the ones that just show you what God has done. We're the ones that you look at and you can realize if it happened for them, it can happen for me. We're the mirrors of His mercy. Perhaps you could catch a glimpse of His mercy, and perhaps His mercy, His mercy might even be able to touch you tonight. You see, He's not, He's not at all conservative with pouring out mercy. He wants to give mercy. He wants to give it in great amounts. He wants to multiply it in your life. He wants to show you that He can forgive you regardless of how bad you may think you are. He wants to show you 
that He can forgive you. This is a place of a thousand needs covered by a thousand mercies. This is a place where God's goodness can reflect all, or can rather reflect off of you. And as surely as the stars cross the heavens, there's mercy passing over you right now. You see, mercy is passing over you in this house. It's passing over you in this house. I see mercy in every face. I see mercy to finish the race. I see mercy to start over. I see mercy to give fresh hope. Mercy found in the blood of the Lamb. Mercy found in the blood of the Lamb. Jude would say, let mercy be multiplied to you. Isaiah would say, seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and He will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. With your eyes closed this evening as everybody stands, I have a question for you. Close your eyes, please. Do you need mercy tonight? Because if you need mercy tonight, if you need it tonight, this is the place to receive it. This altar is open for people who need God's mercy. I need it. You need it. All of those that are in this place reflecting God's mercy, they need it every day. If you need mercy, please come and kneel at this altar and begin to pray and begin to seek God for mercy. Don't come down here just because other people are. Come down here because you need God's mercy, that you need salvation. You've never repented. You've never turned away from sin. And maybe you think, I've not been that bad, but yet you feel something in your heart this evening. You feel a drawing. You feel a power that is tugging at you. You feel that. Would you come? Would you come? I'm not really opening my eyes. I'm not looking down here. I'm just going to go by what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Would you come this evening and let God multiply mercies? Would you come and let God multiply mercy? Please, if some of you could just be aware of the people that are at this altar, you see someone that needs prayer, please pray with them. Because I still feel a tug on my heart. I still feel a tug on my heart. Would you allow God to multiply mercy this evening? Would you allow Him? Would you allow Him? Lord bless you. This altar will remain open. There's always room down here at the front pew if there's not room at the altar.